Thanks for letting me come and hang out with you guys today. And uh, there's a lot of you guys I've uh, I've known uh, over the years, and then some of you brand new. How many of you have been here at NCC less than five years? Raise your hand up. Yeah, a ton of you. So, uh, by the way, if you're new here today and uh, it didn't go very good in this part of the service, please give them another week. So, like, if, you're, if this is your first time here and, I, and it really just, like, if we blow it, just go, man, that guy's an idiot. Good thing he's not here all the time. And then next week's going to be even better. So we'll have a good time on that. And then uh, how many of you are here, let's say, you, you've been here regularly for at least, like, two or three months? Okay. All right, so it's Peter, right? Yeah, so Peter, Peter. Okay, Peter. What time? So do you usually come to this 11.15 service? Okay, attend one, serve one, and all that. Dude, come on, bring in the culture piece there. Nice. Well, we, he didn't even tell me, to, pastor didn't even tell me to set that up. That's good. Come on, man, I like that. Yeah. All right, so when you're at the 11.15 service, when... At what time does pastor usually let you guys roll out? Ah, come on now. What time usually? 12.45. Oh, this is great. That's way better than I thought. I was going to get out at 12.30, but now that we have 12.45 uh, available, I'm just playing. I'm going to set my timer here, and here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to set the timer for 27 minutes, and at 27 minutes, uh, I'm going to walk off the stage. All right, ready? Go. First of all, I just want to say thanks again for letting us be here, uh, and I say us because in the last service, my wife of 25 years, Melanie, come on, give her a hand. Some of you don't know me. You don't know me from a hole in the ground, but it takes a lot to be married to me for 25 years, so uh, good work on that, and then she had our three grandchildren here. Uh, as well, and so, but they got to go off and, and get dropped off with some, uh, with some other people that need to take more care of them than what we're able to do all the time. So uh, I have a son that's 21, I have a son that's 17, uh, about to be 17, and then I have a daughter that's 15. So we're, we're kind of moving closer and closer to this empty nester type thing. Uh, I'm about to hit the half century mark, come on somebody, uh, and age. I'm excited in a couple of months I'll be 50, so uh, it's been a fun journey. Pastor, uh, thank you to you and Pastor Sarah for uh, letting me be here and be a part of what God's doing here. And we love this family. We love this church. And uh, you know, I know Pastor made mention of it a number of years ago. Uh, we came here and uh, started a new wo- uh, work here at New Community, and, and it was such a joy then. Uh, but I knew that the work that I was doing for that year was going to be to hand it off. And eventually, uh, the rains came to you guys, and you guys are doing wonderful. It's, it's just awesome to be here. So love you guys again, seriously. If it's your first time here, thank you so much for being here. And seriously, give them another shot next week, too. It'll be really good. Well, uh, who's in a family? Okay, so good. We've got, we got a good topic for today uh, that's going to be able to help us. How many of you that are in a family have figured out along the way, regardless of how long you've been in a family, but how many of you have figured out family is hard? It's hard. I don't know why exactly, except that every single thing that has any value, anything that's worth anything, 
sometimes or a lot of times is pretty difficult. If you think that family is going to be easy, you're going to get your backside handed to you. If you think that somehow family and having a successful family is going to be without pain, man, your little heart's going to be getting broken and busted up all the time. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? If you think that somehow having a successful godly family that's healthy is based on luck, you're going to literally collapse under the amount of work that it takes to do what God has asked you to do. But here's what I also want you to understand. Sometimes when we are in pain in our family, uh, start, uh, we start having these weird thoughts like, I'm not sure it's really worth it. How many of you have ever had that thought before? I'm not sure it's worth the work, the pain, you know, you and your spouse, or you and your kids. And you know, that's one of the very special lies that Satan has for people that are going through family pain. It's one of his favorite trick moves, that when you're literally getting your butt handed to you, by the way, it won't go any beyond butt, this will be stay PG, uh, when you're getting that handed to you, Satan comes in and goes, hey, are you sure it's worth this? Are you sure it's worth the investment? Because all of us have walked through that, and I just would like to say, 25 years later uh, in our family, it's worth it. I'm so glad to be on this side of it, and the pain was extreme at some times, but you know what? Uh, I'm glad to be here. And here's the deal. You can have a sorry family. Anybody can have a sorry family. It's not hard to have a sorry family. In fact, most of the time it happens by accident. Here's what I know. You, you don't even have to have intention or have an evil mind. Because, listen, most people don't wake up. In fact, hardly anybody that I've ever known has ever awakened one morning and go, Lord, I hope I have a sorry family. Nobody's thinking that kind of stuff. And yet, it can still happen just by sheer accident. Only by specific intent does a family uh, become successful. And that's what we're going to talk about here today. And you know, the last uh, few decades of scientific data have shown us that luck and talent are pretty overrated. What wins the day, what wins the war, is plugging into the right information and then putting that information to work. That doesn't mean you're going to win every battle, you're not going to win every play, but plugging into the right information and putting that information to work actually wins the war. All right, guess what? Guess what? This isn't a joke, so I'm being serious. Guess what? You're human. Look at somebody next to you and say, I'm human. But you got to do it like that. And some of y'all right here in the middle, y'all didn't do it. So look at them and go, I'm human. It's kind of funny. Humans are funny. We're weird looking. I mean, if you just think about it, we look weird. Okay? Sometimes it's just funny to look at each other. And nobody would wonder who, whether there are humans in here. But look how much diversity there is. And the shapes, sizes, colors, and all the other stuff that goes on. Here's the deal. You're human. And a lot of times we use that to excuse away our behaviors. Well, I'm just a human. Well, I'm only human. And I get it. You're right. You are human. And sometimes even when you plug into the right information, and sometimes even when you're putting that stuff to work, you're still going to blow it. How many of you have ever blown it in your family? Blown it? Yeah. Sometimes you're just going to blow it. Sometimes you're just going to act like a fool. Sometimes you're just going to get self-centered. You're going to be in that season where you just want what you want, and it doesn't matter what anybody else wants. I know that's really, that was really more for the 930 service and not the 1115 service, but I had to say it because it's in my notes here. 
Who in here has blown it in their family relationship before? Raise your hand up all across this place. Okay, we're in the right place. I spent 29 years dealing with families and dealing with families specifically in the context of, of ministry and local church stuff. And man, I've, I've known families uh, who had adultery. I've known families who uh, uh, were separated. I've known families uh, who had kids get off on meth and they almost died. I had families uh, who dealt with uh, suicide attempts. I've known families that had all kind of chaos and bitterness and anger and, and uh, wounds that were wide open. Some of the most crazy things you can imagine. I've, I've known families where a kid in the family was accused of raping someone and had to go through a whole year of being separated from their classmates only to find out that the accusation was totally false, but they had to go through the process and the pain and the destruction that comes around that. Man, being in ministry, I've known tons of different kinds of families, but I'm so happy to say all of those families that I knew that had that stuff, they made it. They're still living, they're functioning, they're growing. But here's the, here's the bottom line, family is hard. Say that with me. Family, it is hard, even when you're trying. And so before we go any further, I've been praying specifically for this moment. And, and even as I came, uh, I was driving in from Waxahachie, that's where I live, Waxahachie, Texas. And I was driving in this morning, just coming down 20, and I was just praying. I was just praying in the Spirit, just asking the Lord, to speak, and he was reminding me about this moment and how important it is. Because we, before we go any, for, any further, I want to release you to be able to hear what God wants to speak to you today so that when you walk out of the place, you walk out differently than how you came in. See, I've been praying specifically for this moment because I know how Satan works, and he wants to totally block God's plan for you today. He wants to get your mind all mixed up. See, if you're sitting in this place today and there's unresolved pain from the past family situations, decisions you've made or things that other people have done, or you're still carrying some kind of secret guilt because of a decision and the consequences that have come from that, or maybe you're worrying today over stuff that's totally been buried and gone and you're still cycling through emotional and mental and spiritual stuff, energy being spent on the past. If that's you, I don't want to waste one more minute on that stuff because it's blocking what God wants you to do now and in the future. The past is gone. And you know what's great about it? The scripture says that we can cast, we can throw. How many Fisher people we got in here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, some of you are really good. I don't, I, I don't give a rat about fishing. Uh, I, I lie, my wife, she wants to go shark fishing. She wants to go fly fishing. She wants to go bass fish. She loves doing all that stuff. I'm, I'm just as happy to sit on the side on the shore and read a book or uh, go climb a mountain and stuff. But she loves fishing. Our family loves to fish. And, and the thing about fishing is most of the time when you're fishing, you got to cast. How many of y'all who are fisher people, raise your hand again, have been with somebody who couldn't cast very well? <laughs> I remember one day we were up in Colorado and everybody was doing fly fishing, you know, we got to go fly fishing. So they're out there in the streams and everything. And my brother-in-law, boy, he's trying to get it and he's moving his hips and he's flicking his wrist and you got to kind of pop it on top and then pull it back, and pop it and pull it back. And then he popped it and he pulled it back and that hook went into his eyelid. And that fly lure was hanging out like this. And I was laughing. I said, Lord, ain't none of that happened when you're reading the book. But that's what casting means. It means to throw it out. 
And the scripture encourages us to cast that stuff on God. See, you got no shot at life-proofing your family when you're eating up all of this energy dealing with past pain. You can't even get into the moment. You can't even see one day in the future. And if we go another minute without releasing that, you're not going to get what God wants. Some of you may be here today and you're going, yeah, but man, it's hard. And I get it. But you can safely surrender that stuff. Cast that into the loving, awesome, powerful hands of your heavenly father. He really loves you. And today you might say, well, Mark, you don't know. You don't know the pain. You don't know what we've gone through. You don't know the decisions I made. And, and, I, and maybe I don't need to know. Here's the deal. Remember a minute ago when I was talking about I've known different families and suicide attempts and the drug addiction and people getting messed up, people almost dying and all that. Remember when I said all that? That wasn't some families. That was my family since I've been saved. That's all church family. That's not pre-salvation. That's stuff that we've gone through over the last 25 years. But Lord, I'm glad we made it. We're 25 years into this. Come on. And if that can be that way for me, it can be that way for you. But you've got to make the decision to recognize God wants that stuff. He don't want you to spend the rest of your life being hindered by that kind of stuff. Here's what the scripture says specifically about this. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, God says this. And, and here's the deal. He loves you. You need to know that up front. So matter, no matter how you got here today, the thing I want you to walk away with is, wow, so God really does love me. Here's what he says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. He says, humble yourselves. What does humble yourselves mean? It means quit trying to man up. Quit trying to woman up. Quit trying to act like you got it. Quit trying to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, as some of the old folk might say. Here's the deal. It's not about what you got. You ain't got enough, but God's got all of it. And all you got to do is cast that stuff into his hands. But it starts by humbling yourself and saying, I ain't got it. I need God to got it. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And then it says, cast. Everybody say, cast. cast. Look at your neighbor and say, cast. cast. No, you got to get a little more grovelly on there. Cast. Cast all your anxiety. How much anxiety? In another version, it says, cares. So how much are we supposed to cast on him? Don't be selfish and hold it on to yourself. Don't be prideful. Get humble. Recognize you ain't got it. You can't carry it. And he wants it. You know, most people don't want nobody's stuff. We got enough stuff of our own. We don't want nobody casting their stuff up on our, up on our porch or into our lap. But the Bible says God wants it. And he's asking for it. And he's got his arms wide open saying, cast all your cares upon me. See, that's the great thing about the word of God when you know it. Cast all your anxiety on him, and here's why. Because he cares for you. Imagine that. See, this is a great, encouraging scripture that's really good. Even if you're here today just investigating church, by the way, remember, it's going to get better next week. If you're just here investigating, trying to figure out, hey, you know, uh, does God really care about me, or is it rules and regulations? You know, you're trying to figure out, is it really about relationship? He cares. For you. He cares for you. He loves you so much. 
See, Jesus' whole life of living a perfect life, dying for our sin and being resurrected was because God cares for you. Here's what else his word says. Above all. So, above what? The Bible's got all these big superlative words, you know. Above all. So, what does that mean? (laughs) Isn't it funny how simple the word is? It has to be for people like me. I can't get all complex. I just need it real simple. Above all, love each other deeply. This is 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love, everybody say love. Love covers over a multitude of sins. And if that can happen at the human level, how much more does it happen when we surrender ourselves to God and let his love cover over our mess-ups? Last one, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins... Now, how many of us have messed up? Raise your hand if you sin. Some of you just sinned because you didn't raise your hand. Lord, oh, God, help them. If we confess our sins, and don't, don't complexify this, all right? Sin just means to miss the mark. That's what it means. And it can take on all kinds of categories. Some people say, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't hang out with people that do. Listen, there's a lot more to sin than just that little stuff over there you're trying to categorize. Don't get mixed up. Don't make it more complex than it is. If you've missed the mark, you've sinned. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. And just what does confession mean? Confession means I was going this way, doing my sin thing, missing the mark, and then I realized, oh, I don't want to go that way. I turn around and go, Lord, I want to go your way. I don't want to do that. I'm just letting you know I'm done with that. That's what confession is. You can do that straight to God. You don't got to go to a special person. You do that straight to God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. He'll what? Our sins and then purify us from all unrighteousness. That means he'll get us into right standing. What past sin, what missing the mark issue is going to keep you from hearing what God wants to speak to you today? Think about it for just a moment. What past sin, what issue, what thing is holding you captive, stuff that you can't fix now, that's still ripping you up, tearing you up, and going to keep you from having hope today that you and your family can make it? As I prayed for this moment, I wanted you to know, you don't have to let it happen. God is with you right now. He's on your team, and he wants to speak to you. He wants to receive that. You cast that on him, and you are not alone. So here's what I wanted to do. Before we go one minute further, I want to give us an opportunity to be released from the past, be released from those mistakes, be released from that missing the mark, and step into something new that God has so that you and your family can live the destiny that he's called for you. So here's the deal. If you, if you even remotely go, yeah, man, I got some stuff that's still eating up energy. I still got a hole in my life bucket that keeps draining out and it keeps messing me up being able to move into the now and the future. If you're here this, this morning, you go, man, I got some family pain that's just been hard to release. And maybe I made the decision. Maybe I messed it up. Maybe I was the one that led to the divorce. And I've got to be free of that so that I can be who God wants me to be. If that's you, I want to pray for you. If that's you, I want you to stand up right now. We're going to pray for you before we go any further. Let's go. If that's you, stand up. Say, yep, that's me. Today is the day. I'm not hanging on to this junk anymore. Yes, sir. Say, I guess it's fun, man. I get to see old friends I hadn't seen in so long. This is, this is beautiful. Here's the deal. Satan wants you to think that that thing's too big for God to get fixed. 
It's too big for you to get fixed, but it ain't too big for God. He is unlimited, and today is a day of freedom. So here's what I want you to do. If somebody is standing close to you, I just want you to move over to them. We're going to pray for them in just a second here. So everybody gets somebody. So if you stood, you just stay standing. We're going to come to you. This is your moment. This is your moment for freedom. I don't want nobody standing alone. got my friends over here. Hey, that means get up, move around, somebody. Come on, new community. If somebody's standing, you go over to them. If somebody's still standing by themselves, get over to them. Got my friends back here. Brian, somebody, wave your hand up. So somebody come back to you guys. Everybody needs to have somebody. You guys are standing. I need somebody up here. Give me an old person up here. Come lay hands on them. Give me somebody over here. I need more people over here. I need one more person over here. Everybody needs to have somebody. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I want you to trust the word. I want you to trust God's spirit right now. You're going to be done with this. Just say this. God, I'm your creation. And I've blown it. I need help. I'm giving this to you. I'm not carrying it any longer. I release it into your mighty hands. And your love is going to cover it. I'm free now. I'm never picking it up again. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. All right, now sit down there. Here's why that's important for us to do that. It's important because... You can guarantee you're going to walk out of these doors and Satan's going to remind you of it again. But you're going to go back to the moment you go, no, I gave that to the Lord. You're going to say, get behind me, Satan. I'm done with that. I'm not carrying that anymore. I'm not putting any more energy into that. That has been a hindrance and it's no longer a chain on your life. You're going to walk out of here free. Okay, we got seven minutes. Everybody say seven minutes. Yes, it is. And you wanted to be out 10 minutes early. We're not going to make that. All right, so here's the deal. Why do you think you need to life-proof your family anyway? So I know we got this series going, and I appreciate pastor and pastors uh, putting the series and the leaders and doing all the graphics and everything. But why do you think you need to life-proof your family? That's a great question, and you got to answer it for yourself. So I want you to take 20 seconds right now, and I want you to write it down, put it in your phone, put it in a text, send it to somebody. Why do you, okay? think you need to life-proof your family, you got 15 seconds left to write it down. Everybody writing something. Every person writing down something. Even young, old, uh, you may have heard this message somehow. God spoke it to you before. It doesn't matter. 10 seconds, nine, eight, seven. God's unlimited, but time is ticking. Three, two, one, go. All right, so here's why that's important to do that. It don't matter what your mama thinks. It doesn't matter what CNN thinks. It don't matter what the president thinks. It doesn't matter what the pastor thinks. And hold on before you throw something at me. It don't even matter what God thinks. Because if what God thinks isn't what you think, then it has no chance at changing your behavior. That's how people can come into a service, hear the same message, hear the same scriptures, and walk out and do something different. Because at the end of the day, what God thinks does matter. But if it don't matter to you and it's not what you're thinking and your thinking hasn't gotten aligned with God's thinking, you got no chance to be able to change your life behavior. See, it's so important about what you think. It's so important that you think your family needs to be life proof. Here's the deal. Thinking leads to behavior. Behavior builds habits. 
Habits create culture. And if you want to life-proof your family, you've got to create a culture that separates that family from all the craziness and stuff that's happening. I'm not trying to get them out of the world. I'm just saying, keeping them protected from getting the world inside of them. That's how you do it. You build a culture, and it's just a real simple. How do you, how do, okay, how do you life-proof your family? You build a Christ culture. Everybody say Christ, okay? And notice I didn't say church culture, because church messes it up, man. We mess it up a lot of times. We're talking about building a Christ culture, and there's four key aspects here that I want to tell you about building a, a Christ culture. Number one is this. It's a culture of calling. Everybody say calling. It's a culture of calling. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy. Everybody say worthy. Worthy of the calling that you have received. It's not about the calling your grandma received. It's not about the calling that your boss received. It's not about the calling that your uncle received. It's the calling you have received. And everybody has a calling. Everybody has a calling by God. And it's about recognizing, live a life worthy of the calling that who has received. You want to say you, but it's really me. Say, I have a calling. Almost every morning I get up and I say, Lord, today I'm going to live a life worthy of the calling. And I got a few categories. I want to live a life worthy of the calling that I have as a man of God. I want to live a life worthy of the calling that I have as a husband. I want to live a life worthy of the calling that I have as a dad to three special gifts, Ethan, Mason, and Ella. I want to live a life worthy of the calling that I have as a granddad. I want to live a life worthy of the calling that I have as a leader to thousands in the kingdom and thousands on their way in and a leader in the community. God, I want to live a life worthy of that calling. And I'll ask the Lord, God, what do you want me to do in the dad category today? What do you want me to do in the husband category today? What do you want me to do in the man of God category? And I just make it real simple. But you know what's great about that verse is it recognizes the fact that in order to live a life worthy of the calling, you got to recognize that there's no calling that doesn't include people. That's why the very next verse says, live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. And I look at that and I go, oh, because anytime God uses those words like completely and always and stuff, it just blows me up. Okay, live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Anybody ever had a struggle with patience in your family? Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort. How many efforts? Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. These are all passages that are connected. This is the very next verses in living a life worthy of the calling so we don't get mixed up. If you're going to live a life worthy of the calling, it's going to always include people. And if it's going to include people, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Hey, if you have all that in your family, you're a long way down the road, aren't you? Second thing, it's not just a culture of calling, it's a culture of closeness. Everybody say closeness. Don't say closeness, say closeness. Luke chapter 6, verse 37 hits this, and here's the bottom line. In order to get close, you got to take care of the planks. You can't be getting up in people's face when you got a plank sticking out of your eyeball. It's very painful. <laughs> yes, you got it. Luke 6, verse 37 
These are some of the most uh, often misquoted passages in the scripture. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, be poured in your lap. For the measure you use, it'll be measured unto you. We hear that stuff talked about a lot. But you know, most of the time when we talk about that passage, we talk about it at an offering or a giving thing. Well, it still works, by the way. Given it'll be given to you, it still works in the offering, but it didn't start in the offering. It started in relationship passage. Talking about give what? Give some latitude. Give some margin. So you're going to have to make judgments along the way about what's happening. But when you do that, create enough margin so that when you judge, you're not bringing judgment on yourself. Sometimes you may have to condemn some behaviors, maybe not the person. Hey, it's not about the blind leading the blind. It's about recognizing you got to give some room. Everybody say room. And then he goes on to say, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you? Uh Uh-oh, there's the timer. It's 1220, guys. We're getting out of here at 1230, so don't give up. Brother, brother, don't look at your brother and say, let me take the speck out of your eye. When you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, then you'll see clearly. You'll see what? You'll see what? You'll see clearly to be able to take the plank out of their eye. See, the whole deal is, if you got a plank, you can't get close to people, even when you want to. And a lot of us, when we're talking about building this Christ culture, we still walking around in our house with planks, bumping into the walls, knocking holes into people's heads. Nobody wants you to get close when every time you get in close, you knock them out. It's like a cartoon. Wham, wham, wham. It's so that you can see clearly and get in close in relationship. And by the way, God's all about close. Why do you think he's got this passage here? God wants intimacy. He wants closeness in your family. But you got to take care of your own plank before you're going to have the ability to see clearly when somebody's got a speck in their eye. If you got it, say, I got it. All right. So you got It's a culture of calling. It's a culture of closeness. And then it's a culture of covering. 1 Peter 4, 8, we already hit this passage. Above all, love each other deeply. So how should you love each other? Not shallowly. Love each other how? Yeah, because love covers over a multitude. Now, how many is in a multitude? More than one? When you think multitude, are you thinking five? Uh Uh-uh. I mean, it seems like multitude means what? A multitude (laughs) means a lot. Love covers over a multitude of sins. I recognize when I learned this passage how much I was messing it up in my relationship with Melanie. Because, you know, Melanie would do something and it would miss my expectation and I'd get all butt hurt and I'd get all mad and frustrated about it and I'd start pouting and I'd get angry and I'd hold on to it. And what I started realizing, it says, above all else, love each other how? Above all else, love each other Because love covers over a multitude of? And I realized, man, multitude sounds like a lot. Melanie don't ever do anything where it's more than one or two things a day that miss my expectation, and I'm not loving her. My love must be really shallow. It was a revelation to me about how shallow my love was. Because if love covers over a multitude of sins, and I can't get over this one thing that she did, 
man, we got problems. You want to build a culture, a Christ culture that life proofs your family? You got to build deep love because love covers over a multitude of, yeah, I'm missing the mark. And then lastly, so love, okay, or so the culture of Christ, the Christ culture is a culture of calling. It's a culture of closeness. Say that with me, closeness. It's a culture of covering. And then, is the band coming now? Because last time they already knew to come up, like somehow they read my mind. Y'all fell asleep or something? Dude, don't, don't be blowing it. You know how churchy people, they got to have somebody twinkling on the keyboards to really be able to respond. We can't just do it kind of in the raw. Got to have the mood music and the certain lighting and all that. So culture of calling, culture of Come on now. Let's try it again. I want you to be able to walk out with this. It's a culture of? It's a culture of? And then, you know, putting the covering on. It's a culture of? Covering. And then lastly, it's a culture of clarity. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. In all of my life, there's never been anything it gets me clear as quickly and as powerful than the Word of God. I love that out in y'all's atrium and in your hallway a couple of times, uh, I saw something about the Word of God. What is that, Pastor Aaron? Scripture shapes our lives. Yeah, exactly. See, the Word of God endures forever. It bypasses and overcomes every culture every nuance economically, every socioeconomic uh, strata, all of history, the Word of God totally transcends all that. It's just as good today as it was thousands of years ago. It's just as powerful today in your life as it was 300 years ago in somebody else's life. It is awesome and it is eternal. It lasts forever. There's never been anything in my personal life. And baby, I came out of crazy stuff, man. When I gave my life to the Lord at 21, I wasn't a good churchy kid. I hadn't grown up around the Lord. I'd grown up around the devil. And there was a lot of stuff in my life that was messed up in my thinking and the way I lived and the way I talked and the way I responded and the word of God. When I would begin to consume that and memorize it, it changed everything. The word of God brings clarity. You want to life-proof your family? Get the Word of God up in your family. Seriously, I'm telling you. Even Jesus used the Word of God when he was tempted by Satan himself. I know a lot of times we blame his stuff on Satan, but mostly it's just our own flesh. Maybe every once in a while he'll send a little demon after us, but very few of us have ever been tempted directly by Satan. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, you know how he responded? It is written. Three times Satan came to him with the biggest things in history, and Jesus said, it is written. It's so powerful to know the Word of God because it clarifies the path that you need to take. And you need to know that today. You want to build a Christ culture? You want to life-proof your family? Then it's got to be a Christ culture, and it's a culture of calling. It's a culture of closeness where you take care of your own plank. It's a culture of covering where your love runs deep and all these little human earthly sins get covered up in the deep love of God running through your lives. And it's a culture of clarity where the Word of God is living and breathing and powerful and effective in your everyday life. That's how you get there. 
Whichever one you may have deficiency in, whichever one you go, man, our family needs to do this, then I'll let God speak to you about how you need to react and respond to this. I'll tell you what, is that an exhaustive list? No, maybe there's 20 other things about building a Christ culture, but you do those four things well, you got a real shot at life-proofing your family. I wanted to end with this. A lot of people have confusion about how God feels about the world. A lot of people have confusion about how God sees people. I'm not talking about churchy people, but I'm talking about the people outside the church. And so I just thought I'd finish right now just reminding ourselves what God says about how he sees the world. John chapter 3 verse 16 says this, God so loved the world. Love the who? A lot of crazy people in the world. The sex addicts, uh, the drunkards, the adulterers, the gossipers, the murderers, the thieves, the, the sketchy business people, okay? The crazy politicians. There's a lot of different people in the world. It's not just churchy people. And God didn't say God loved the churchy people in the world. It says God so loved the, say it with me. He loved the world. He loved the world and all their screw-ups, mess-ups, and sins so much that he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him, basically saying, I'm not going to trust my life to myself, but I'm going to entrust it to the, to the Lord and my Savior. Whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Then he says another thing in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, about how he sees us. It says this, God demonstrates his own love, not Bob's love, not the pastor's love, not the church's love. God demonstrates his own love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. I want you to think for just a moment. When we were at our worst, he was at his best. I have no problem giving my life I've put my life on the line many, many times over the years in crazy extreme uh, situations where trucks were burning up, uh, stuff was had bad things happening. Doesn't matter. I'll give my life easy. I don't even got to know you. I'll put my life on the line. It's not the man. I'm going to live forever, so I ain't scared about that. But I won't give you my son's life. But see, that's the difference between human love and God's love. He loved us so much that he would even give his son to make sure that all the filthy, rotten scoundrels like me and maybe some of us in here would have a shot at eternal life. That's what you need to know here today. And if that's the example we have, man, we got a real shot at life-proofing our family.